Hi, I'm Troy Richards. And I'm Daniel Mawson. Welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri, and Daniel's our worship pastor. Our church is reading through the Bible in a year, and on this podcast, we examine highlights from this week's reading. We talk about the passages devotionally and try to answer questions people have shared with us. Our hope is that you'll discover how amazing God's Word is and how enjoyable it is to read for yourself, which is the key to understanding Jesus. Hello and welcome to the Understanding Jesus podcast. Dun, 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 dun. Hey there! Uh, <laughs> in... Wow, thank you, Josh. Uh, I've I'm I'm gonna I'm kicking us off. Just welcoming you, listeners. Thank yes. you for supporting the podcast, all eight of you. Uh, Daniel really was out last week. I was, and welcome I missed back. you guys with the white hot intensity of a thousand suns. Yeah, Aww. but these are all recorded for posterity, and people will be coming back years from now listening to this podcast. Years from going, now. wow, this was, one was, this was one of really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, our words are now worth something. Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like a fine, like fine art. Like fine uh, art. It yeah. takes the artist to die. Yeah, exactly. So we'll be here long after we're gone. <laughs> well, so today, welcome those of you listening. Yeah, yes, what are we going over today? We are looking at uh, Deuteronomy 17 through 30. And uh, and then getting Psalm 37 through 40, and Proverbs 12 and chapter 13, mm. and then Luke chapter 4 through chapter 7. Yeah, so, good reading. Uh, it was it was a good week of reading. Mm-hmm. So I hope you were able to join us. And as always, um, if you are listening and think, oh wow, these aren't the books I read, we have done an entire year of podcasts. So you can go back and find your Bible reading, whatever you were reading, and we're talking about it, talking about your specific reading. So you can read at your own pace and listen to whichever podcast matches whatever you're doing. So that's right. But or you could just. Listen and find out what we're reading. <laughs> spoilers. And, uh, yeah, spoiler alert. Yeah, so anyway, so hope you will. Uh, we're going to share some things devotionally, answer some questions, all when we come back. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed the break because we're about to get down and dirty, nitty gritty with this Bible reading. <laughs> That's right. Daniel is in special form today. <laughs> Down and dirty with Bible reading. Wow, getting wow. getting to the nitty gritty. So yes, we read uh, we read through the text for the week. We have a Bible reading plan, which is on our website at fbcj.us. It's also included in our bulletin each week. If you just want to come to church here and, Ooh, and get right. that, Ooh, and uh, and we uh, and so we read through it, and then we do the podcast based on what we read the previous week. And so uh, Josh is going to share what he discovered through this week's Bible reading. Yes, so I'm going to start in Psalm 48, not to be confused with the chapter 48, but chapter 40, verse 8. Um, And this is all it says. It says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. And I think last week I I shared like just a simple statement that is just so like just huge um, and just magnificent. And this is one of those statements. Um, The simplicity of the statement is just so real and deep and deep. it should just capture what Christianity is as, as we follow Christ. And so um, the question is, I mean, is this is this us? Is this do we delight to do God's will? I mean, if we're followers of Christ, then we love we love God, um, and so we will love to do the things God asks us to do. Um, and so we should delight in Him, not deny Him, or not want to do His things. It's like um, I should delight to read the Bible. I should delight to follow the Ten Commandments. Or I should delight to do what Jesus asked me to do because I love Him and He knows what's best for me. Um, and so, so instead. Instead of um, being like, man, ugh, I have to read my Bible, or ugh, I have to pray, or ugh, I have to go to church, or ugh, I have to fellowship with people. It's like, no, these are all things that like we get to delight and follow the Lord, um, and that's like that's that's just beautiful as it is. That's beautiful by itself, and so yeah, it's super simple, or simple, not sinful. Whoa. Sorry, whoa. Yeah, yeah, and then I was like, whoa. <laughs> But yeah, your laws was in my heart, and that's something I'm going to talk about in my next devotion here in a second. But mm-hmm. it's just something that we just we get to delight in the Lord, which mm-hmm. is what I talked about last week. Just delight in the Lord, and we will. I mean, everything falls into place. Yeah. Um, he he changes mm-hmm. our desires. Yeah. And we did. We spent a lot. Of, if you are curious about that conversation, you can listen to last listen week's to podcast last week. where we went into in depth in that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome cool. stuff. Yeah. All right, P.T. Roy, what you got? All right, mine. Going back to Deuteronomy <laughs> chapter 22, and uh, to say this is a mm, timely topic, uh, it is definitely one that evokes um, – anytime you go back into the law, uh, it, you wade into territory that people may or may not be prepared for. Mm. But uh, this, is from, uh, this is from chapter 22, verse 5. It says, A woman is not to wear male clothing. 
And a man is not to put on a woman's garment. For everyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord your God. If you come across a bird's nest with chicks or eggs, either in a tree or on the ground along the road, and the mother is sitting on the chicks or eggs, do not take the mother along with the young. You may take the young for yourself, but be sure to let the mother go free so that you may prosper and live long. Now, Hmm. If I is, wasn't confused about the Bible before, I surely am you now. You know, tracking. <laughs> and this was, this was one, I chose this passage specifically for that reason, because I was reading along going, wow, what a switch. Yeah. <laughs> we were going down a path, and I was with you, uh-huh. and then, bam, we went in a completely different direction. Huh. And um, and that is, uh, yeah, so that's the whole point. The, uh, the... The thing that uh, that God was doing for the people in Israel was uh, he was giving them some understandings of this is how I've ordered the earth and how I want you to follow this. It actually is, uh, as he's just going through, uh, and in Deuteronomy, you have to understand, he's, he's working through a lot of different things, but uh, because you are, you are dealing with, this is how I want you to live life every day, and there's going to be a thousand questions, which is why they set up judges uh, to look at the law and then to say, okay, now here's the here's kind of the baseline that God gave us. Now, how do we move from there? And so you don't look at it and say, oh, he, okay, this is, he's saying specifically about this, uh, about clothes, and he said specifically about a bird. <laughs> and so we're just going to follow that. And how are the 50 million ways we can get around that? And that's what Jesus, when Jesus returned, uh, when Jesus came, actually the first incarnation, uh, not returned at that point, but the, um, when Jesus came, he was able to uh, give us this amazing insight to say, all right, now I've given you several hundred years of, of looking at this law, and I see the interpretations you came up with, and you're way off. <laughs> you're way <laughs> off, and, and, you've, and you've gone down a path, and I can see the path you've gone down. I understand how you went down that path. But let me fix it for you. Let me adju- make these adjustments and pull you back to the law instead of all these different laws that you've added. And so it is It is nice that we are able to go back and read passages like this with the insight that Christ himself has given us uh, in, in that regard. And also uh, the Apostle Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, looking back and then also giving insight uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to look at these things. But he starts with something that is very controversial in our world today in that uh, w- women wearing male clothing and men wearing um, uh, women's garments, and and the point that God was making because uh, I've heard people say, well, they wore dresses back then, you know, <laughs> whatever, and uh, and so you know, I, obviously the clothing that they were wearing in Jesus' day, mm, I wouldn't wear that, uh, <laughs> and so I have in a play and and so forth, but but there were, but what he's saying is is that I've created you with uh, with a distinction. Mm-hmm. And so I've created male and female, and when you do things that blur those lines or create a lack of distinction, you're affecting the created order I've given you. It leads to a, a dangerous place. It's kind of like when Jesus said, if you look upon a woman with lust in your heart, you've mm-hmm. committed adultery already. Because there's no other path, there's no other direction that can go. Right. If you start looking at a woman who's not your wife, you're 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 literally dancing with the devil. You are going down a place that can. End. So he's saying, let me pull you back about 50 steps and say, don't even start there, because if you're not thinking about her, then you're not going to wind up in that place. Right. Uh, and and the same way here, it is that there is it, within the natural order, and this is what's really d- discouraged me about our culture and our society right now. Uh, they're purposefully fighting that order. Purposefully, when uh, when a when a boy seems to tend in one direction, uh, the world comes in and says, "Don't you know? Don't uh, you know? Help him to fight that. Don't let him be pushed into these stereotypes or whatever. As if there's something wrong with him being a boy. As right. if there's something wrong with this girl being a girl. And uh, and yeah, I, and I'm not trying to be uh, controversial in this. It's that I I have had boys. I have two boys. I have two girls. Uh, with very limited input, <laughs> they each gravitated in two different directions. Uh, we had our girls first, so we had two girls, and then we had two boys. So when we had our two girls, and they had these very natural inclinations, 
and did girly things. I mean, they loved dolls, and if you give them something, if you gave them a truck, they would uh, paint the truck with fingernail polish and you know, and put pretty designs on it or whatever. They would be very artistic, whatever. And not to say those were girl things. It was just that's what they did. And when the boys came along, uh, with two older sisters influencing their decision and trying to drive them in a different direction – they didn't go that direction. They went a completely different direction, right. and uh, and because they were different, uh, to for me to step in and say, let me dress you this way and or dress you this a different way, it's just to, to lend confusion to that. It is, I think, it is something it is a God-given place, uh, and I think fathers fail in this regard uh, to a great deal. Is where fathers are supposed to teach their sons, this is how you are to be a man. And women are to teach their daughters, this is how you are to be a woman and to follow God's line. And I will give you this. You can literally just go by what the word teaches you. Right. You don't have to use outside influence or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you have to, But there is a God-given distinction for both because God designed our families. He designed the world to need both equally. He said, uh, it, Paul will say, there's neither male, neither male nor female before God. It's not it's not that he elevates one above the other, and, and we go back to the created order. Uh, to say that men are superior to women is like saying that the Holy Spirit, or that Jesus is superior to the Holy Spirit, the Father is superior to the Son, or whatever. Right. Those are not distinctions well, that God makes. Really they are co-equal. They work within a unit, but Jesus submits to the Father within this perfect mm-hmm. union that they have in order to accomplish God's perfect will. And so we we just, he gives us an order, we follow the order he's given, and trust that the order he's given is a right order to follow. And so, so that's the, and then, so that's the male-female thing. And, and and so when we began to, the, like I said, the world inherent in the world is to fight against God's plan. It's because it's led by the enemy. It's led mm-hmm. by the enemy of God. He is trying to distort. To so, of course, the world is going to come up with a, an idea or a plan that's contradictory to what God's plan or order is. Uh, that's the whole point. The, it, the enemy does that on every account. So so it's it's the statement more is is that. Look for what God's order is, the identity that God gives, look at what his plan is for us is, and follow that plan. And any way the culture or the world contradicts that, stand against that and favor that which God gives us. Always question whether when the world is telling us something and it seems like it contradicts what God is saying, always lean in to God. Don't mm-hmm. lean toward the world trying to do it. Obviously, the world's on a path to destruction. So uh, so don't say, hey, how can we be more like the world and still maintain our connection to God? That's just a wrong way of thinking. Yeah. Uh, and, and let me throw in the bird thing real quick. because <laughs> I yeah. Uh, yeah, you did so, mention that. <laughs> so you come across a bird's nest with chicks or eggs. Now, this is, there's some different ideas about this. I was going to say this for question and answer, but I'll go ahead and do it now. But the, um, the, the, uh, the bird thing is uh, one of the ideas is that it's all metaphor, and God was saying something about uh, a bird's nest means this culturally or whatever. I I don't think that's what it is at all. But um, but the idea is is that uh, it's a very simple thing that I was taught early on. If you if you kill the mother bird, you kill the one who has the ability to produce more eggs. And and when you're trying to find a way to survive as a society, he's just saying. Eat the eggs, eat the young, but don't kill the one who has the ability to make more young, to, more food. Uh, and so when you look at animals, it's like you should be good stewards of the animals and resources God's given you. Don't kill the source of your food. Uh, make sure you maintain that and just eat the food that is produced. And, and to me, there's a very simple understanding we have. Like when you have chickens, he's just basically saying if you have egg-laying chickens – don't eat the chicken, uh, you know, because that because they're producing food for you on a regular basis, and and if you can get 35 dozen eggs out of a chicken, uh, that's a lot more food than the one chicken itself. Yeah. So, anyway, practical Bible, practical stuff, stuff not hard to comprehend. In literal, very, very literal. literal. He, and 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 that's what I appreciate about <laughs> it is that he's just like, like saying these are things you're going to deal right. with, and so I'm I'm going to speak to it. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, um, man, and, and what you were talking about at first with, um, you know, just the world's narrative versus ours when it comes down to what it, the world says is good versus what we say is good. It's real easy for Christians, um, and I know this because I have family that is that is this way, um, that I, that 
looks at what the world says and says, okay, I want to love the world well. Right. So I'm going to affirm as much of it as I can. And then a couple years later, they're they're hostile to to the things of God. Right. And it's it's man, it's not a slippery slope. It's just a path you don't want to be on. Yeah. You know, because um, the slippery slope, we feel like we can, if we have good enough balance, we can keep up. You know. It's, right. But you get on a path and you're just like. You're already on the wrong spot. Yeah. Uh, friendship with the world is hatred towards God. I don't yeah. want to hate God. And know? it distorts the definition of what love actually is. Yeah. It's absolutely. like, well, I'm doing this out of love. It's like, well, yeah, that's not what the Bible yeah. would say love would be. Yeah. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's a lot of it's well intentioned. It's just um, fault, flawed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think the I think the idea that the Old Testament gives us that we have a difficult time embracing the New Testament is that we are at war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that yeah. the things we're talking about are the enemies of God. Right. And it would be very much like us going to war with another country and say, you know what, I'm going to put your uniform on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use your weapons mm-hmm. and I'm going to hang out with you guys and go to your place and so forth. It's like, well, then you're on that. Right. <laughs> you are a part of that. You're going to get yeah, shot. Yeah, exactly. You're going to get shot <laughs> yeah. by the, the, the yeah. people that you're with. So now you look like you are the enemy. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, just uh, and, uh, before long, because that's what happens. You begin to fall in love with those people right. and their way of doing things. And so forth, and because you're not separate, so you begin to love their gods, you love their idols, you love their way of life, and that's what happened to Israel over and over again. So God mm-hmm. said, "Do not talk to them, do not, uh, do not hang them, out with them, do not do marry them, them do yeah. not engage them, uh, just destroy them, uh, because they're under my judgment. Do yeah. not embrace that. I, right. I mean, if you if you join that which I am judging, uh, then, then you, you are going to be judged. Yeah. Yeah. And that was in our reading." This week, too, if, yeah. if you're reading along with us. All right. Um, cool. Cool, cool. Thanks. So in Luke 6, um, this is like leading up to quite a bit of really good content. And I'm going to kind of talk about there's like this big sermon that Jesus preaches. And I'm going to – it's very very famous. Um, but I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit before it kind of gets revved up. In verse 24 of chapter 6 in Luke – says, woe to you who are rich, for you've received your, you already have received your comfort. And then in uh, verses 34 and 35, it says, um, if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to re- be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do what is good, and lend, es- expecting nothing in return. And just this attitude of generosity, um, of, of lending without expecting anything back, because I think if you ask any American Christian listening to this podcast, if you have the ability to listen to this podcast, you're wealthy, right? right? Uh. If you're hearing this, if you're watching us on the Facebook Live, which we do every week while we while we record this, then you are wealthy. And and what does Jesus say? Like, woe to you. You've already you're already getting your comfort, right? Mm-hmm, right. You, com- you should expect no more comforts from the Lord. And and I th- so like, how do we do that? Because then we see in the New Testament later on, like an axe. We see very wealthy people coming and living in the community of believers, and like, how does that look? And I think it's this: it's this: it's that spirit of generosity. Like, what money you have, just just somehow making it click in your mind that it just doesn't belong to you. That when somebody needs it or wants it, you just give it to them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if your family is eating three meals a day and you have a roof that is not going to be taken from you. Even maybe even then, I don't know. I'm just saying yeah. in my context yeah. that I have enough money in the bank. I have enough money in my pocket to say for people to say, "Hey, you know, I um, can I can I get this?" Or or I'm gonna take you to lunch and not really expect you to like pay me back. Or I'm gonna take you to coffee. Or you know, I'm gonna I'm just gonna live as if my money is your money, you mm-hmm. know, right. and live as if and and not expect anything back. And and I think that the Lord blesses that. He must. He must bless it because yeah. the more I tend to practice that, and this isn't a, I'm not guaranteeing anyone anything, but the more that I personally practice that, the more flexibility he gives me in my finances mm-hmm. because I'm, I prove myself faithful in that. And when I don't prove myself faithful in that, conversely, I, get, I, I tend to notice things tightening up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like if you can take one little step of faith, you might notice that next time you can take two steps of faith and next time you can just live in that. So um, I think it takes practice, uh, but I do think that is the call for every believer that has any any amount of means. And I'm and I'm speaking from uh, like ministry salary. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I I was having this conversation with someone the other day. Every single one of my friends 
makes easily triple what I have, what I make. And I'm not complaining about what I make. I'm just saying that if I can live generously, yeah. others can live generously. Well, um, the wid- with the widow that the was widow, going to the yeah, treasury who gave all she had. Points. You know, and I always look at that and I think Jesus didn't run over and go, no, 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 don't put that in. Mm-hmm. You keep that for you. Right. Uh, he praised her for giving up all that she had. And so forth, because he he recognized something that she recognized that we struggle to recognize, mm-hmm. and that when she put in all that she had, because she believed and she trusted that it was God who was it wasn't the money she was putting in that was going to take care of her, mm-hmm. it was the God she was giving to that was going to yeah. take care of her. Yeah. Jesus and, says you. And he affirmed that. your father knows you need stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. You have some things that you need, and God knows that. So just take that off your plate and do what do what seems right with your money. Yeah. Um, so. that, in that passage, it says. Um, he says, for he is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Mm. And and I think and, – and he says when we are gracious and uh, to the ungrateful and evil, we are his children. We're like he is. And then he says, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. And, and how contradictory that is to our thinking because we think in terms of being gracious to people who are grateful mm-hmm. and who are good. Uh, but that is – if he were that way, then he would never be gracious to us. And and so we have a tendency to judge uh, other. And he, and he goes into that. He goes into not judging other people. Uh, and uh, and and we we absolutely that's exactly how we do. But that's what the world does. The world judges a person and thinks, okay, this person is worthy of doing something good for, and so I'm going to do something mm. good. But what sets us apart from the world is that we are just. Merciful to people, yeah. people who don't deserve mercy. Mm-hmm. Gracious to people who don't deserve grace, and uh, to the ungrateful, to the evil. It, it, of course, it goes. You say that's so hard to do. Of course, it's hard to yeah. do. It's because it's your flesh that doesn't want to do it. But it's the spirit of God that is prompting you to do that. Mm-hmm. And when we do, uh, when we are like that, when we are gracious to ungrateful people, when we are gracious to evil people then God is glorified in that. Then yeah. people get a better picture of how God looks toward us. And I was, and I'm thinking, like I've heard really well-meaning Christians um, say, or, or try to communicate things like, well, but you, you want to exercise wisdom, you know, and how you, <laughs> yeah. how you give money out and how you, how you deal with people who, you know, if you know, if they've had a pattern of not paying you back or whatever, if they're like, you know, and people talk about people on the side of the road, um, you, you know, you want you need to be wise, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be wise. Right. Absolutely, you should be, um, but you're you're kind of like trying to get around what the Lord's saying in yeah. the passage, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so anyway. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about uh, a God that we serve, who gave the nails to the people and yeah. the hammer to the people who were going to drive them in His hands and, and feet. And He actively is gracious to us, knowing that we're not going to pay Him back. Yeah. You know, like yeah. we, not only are we not inclined to pay him back but we are just incapable <laughs> incapable of yeah. i just saw a thing this week on facebook because it's you know last week was easter and stuff it was like he let judas sit at the table and eat yeah. with him as well i mean it was just like yeah, yeah he washed his feet first yeah right yeah yeah i, I and max Lucado used to say you know he healed eyes that were going to lust he mm-hmm. healed legs right. that were going to run from crimes he mm-hmm. healed hands that were going right. to steal and uh and, and he didn't have to, yeah, but that's right. just the act of grace that he does. And and mm-hmm. so if we are his children, we will act in the same way, just because it's just showing the overflowing of God's love. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Right. Loop around, Josh. Yes. So um, like I just said, um, my passage kind of connects with this um, from the one that I just shared. So the end of Psalm 40, verse 8 says, your law is within my heart. Okay. So Luke 6 48 through 49. So um, let me read 47 first. It says, Everyone who comes to me, Jesus is speaking, and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. And then he goes into this. He is like a man building a house who dug a deep uh, who dug deep and laid foundations on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the, when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Hmm. So um, we're, we're talking here about clinging on to God's words as Christians, right? Um, the law is within my heart, and that's what Psalm 40 verse 8 says. And there's this um, phrase it reminded me of, and it's, What we repeat in times of ease, we will recall in times of hardship. Um, and so 
what what that's talking about is um, if we read and dwell on these foundational things of God's word, then we have this muscle memory to fall back on when, when we're freaking out. So let's talk about the pandemic for a second, right? The church had to shut down, base, not shut down, but like close its doors because there was a pandemic coming and people are like, what are we going to do? Like, are we going to be Christians? Like, I'm just, what's going to happen? I'm so scared. How are we going to be Christians? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so people are freaking out about this stuff and they have no foundation to hold on to. They, they forget that, that, that God is with us forever. They just lose sight of what's going on. And so they fall back and now they're searching for scripture. Oh gosh, what do we do? Lord, please show me your strength. And they're like, just trying to find something. They're trying to find something to hold on to and they don't, they don't have anything because they haven't repeated these things in times V's that the law has not been on their heart. They've, they've been, you know, just living life. They have nothing to hold on to. And so this is just really important. You know, I'm in a time of ease right now. What am I repeating to myself now? So that in three months, if something hits, what, like, what am I going to hold on to? Um, because if something hits and I have nothing to hold on to, then I begin to question God and begin to walk away. I mean, we've all, we've all been there. We've all had that experience in our lives, but just that what we repeat in times of ease, like I'm in a good time right now. Am I loving God? Am I learning things about him and keeping those things in my mind so that when I do fall, then I have something to fall back onto. It's just like in music. If you're a piano player, um, not that I'm an incredible one, or even if you're just any sort of instrument player and you're performing in a, um, whatever, just a performance and your sheet music falls, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's like, that's why you have to know your music because your fingers know what to do. Your brain may not, your eyes may not see what's going on, but this is, I mean, in anything it's with homework, it's with tests, it's your brain needs to understand so that when you're in a time of trouble, you have something to hold on to. Um, and I think that that we forget that when, when streams are coming and, um, is our foundation good? Are we holding on to good words, um, in times of ease? And this is, this is what we need to do. When I was in the Holy Land, we went by a house and, and they showed us an example of how the ground is very loose. It's sandy and how you would have to dig into that sand until you got to the bedrock that was underneath it. And, and so you set your house up on top of the rock and then you buried around it or whatever. Or else when uh, rains would come, and I don't know if you've ever been, seen rains in the desert, when rains come, floodwaters come. And just this rushing torrent, and these, these wadis, these basically spring beds or whatever that are just rocks. Mm-hmm. But when rains come, all that rain comes off those hillsides, and there's nothing to hold it back. There's no trees. There's no grass to slow it down. And so it comes there, and it literally would just wipe out a house and mm-hmm. destroy it if it wasn't built down to the ground. If you've ever done construction and you've noticed cracks in the foundation or a bad foundation on a house, you don't look at that and go, hmm, that should be an easy fix. (laughs) (laughs) You, you have to, uh, you have to tear, uh, basically tear down a lot of what you already have. It's, it's very costly, time consuming and very difficult to rebuild a foundation. And so many times in our Christian walk, we will discover. I mean, Jesus is saying, why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you do not do what I mm-hmm. say? Exactly. And if you have had a lifetime of not mm-hmm. obeying him, then when you finally do decide that you need to be following him, you're going to discover you've been building on a bad foundation right. and you're going to have to tear down a lot of right. what you've built up. And it is, it's time consuming and costly and very difficult. But if you don't do it, then that house is going to fall. Yeah. Good, good word. Good word. Um, cool. Oh, it's my turn, isn't it? Yes. yes. I had something here. What was I going to share? It is from Luke chapter four. I think. Four. That's yeah. right. Thank you. Thank you for remembering what I Welcome. could not remember myself. <laughs> um, from Luke chapter four and verse thirty-one, he said, um. It says, then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man with an unclean demonic spirit who cried out with a loud voice, leave us alone. Why do you have to, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, be silent and come out of him and throwing him down before men. The demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Amazement came over them and they were came over them all. And they were saying to one another, what is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power and they come out and news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. Um, You know, when we were... uh, Talking about the triumphal entry on, on Palm Sunday, um, 
I didn't, maybe I didn't remember or didn't, wasn't aware of the crowds that were shouting Hosanna were made up of this entourage of people uh, who were from Galilee. Um, I always had my, a picture in my mind of when Jesus was coming in that all these people from Jerusalem loved him mm-hmm. and so forth, and just and, and they had this huge following. And then during the events of the crucifixion, everybody turned on him and uh, went dark and, and so forth. But the reality is, is that these people who were uh, shouting Hosanna and glory to God in the highest were the people who were with him in Capernaum and yeah, the in the regions wow. surrounding Galilee. Yeah. And so That's during cool. this time of Passover, they would just make these treks to Jerusalem once a year mm-hmm. uh, during Passover. So it was like a big event that everybody goes to. So you have this big gathering of people who've been watching you do these miracles, watching dead people come back to life, watching uh, Jesus do all these miracles and so forth that he's been doing along. And he's been gaining this crowd, and he would keep saying to them, you know, don't, um, uh, don't tell anybody, don't, I don't, you know, it's too early for my time, it's my time is not yet here, and uh, and so, uh, but you come to this time where he, uh, where he says, okay, now I'm going to Jerusalem, and he sets his face to go, and they all are going with him, and so as they get close to the gates, he summons them to go get a donkey, and uh, and they. Uh, get so excited that they begin shouting Hosanna, Hosanna, and so forth. And people are like listening inside the city thinking, what in the world is going on? And when they see him coming in on this donkey and so forth, they're like, what? Mm -hmm. He thinks he's, they think this guy is the Messiah? And they do think he's the Messiah. But none of the people in the city know these works. They are right. not familiar with these things that he's done. And so they're rebuking the people who are shouting this. And they rebuke Jesus. And they're like, you tell these, tell these people to be quiet. They shouldn't be shouting this. And then Jesus is like, if they don't say it, the rocks are going to cry out. You right. know. And, uh, and so you have this all of a sudden this anger building of, of just this is blasphemy. Who does this person think he is? And then this demand of, hey, well, if you are the Messiah, then show us. Do some miracles. Right. You know, do something to prove it. And he doesn't. He doesn't right. do that because the whole point is is that he has uh, come to um, come to die. Um, but, you know, Matthew is highlighting this uh, because he's trying to show – this is how he. This is this was his plan. Mm-hmm. He was his plan was to be, to be killed, and uh, and and because of the blasphemy, uh, that uh, that everybody is thinking. Uh, but you know, I I think so often that um, we are like that too. It's like we think we have that God should prove Himself. You know that God mm-hmm. should. I, we want to see the miracles and we want to see the things they can do. So you know, in fact, I've asked that question. Why doesn't God do a miracle? Right. So people can see who he is and the power that he has and so forth. Um, and then Jesus, of course, always gives us a parable to or a story to move with. You had Lazarus and the rich man. And uh, the rich man, of course, dies and goes to hell. And, and Lazarus goes to heaven. And he's and he cries out from hell. He says, hey, if why don't you send someone back from the dead to warn my friends? And he says, if they won't believe Moses and the prophets. Right. They won't believe a man coming back from the dead, right. and uh, and that literally is what happened because Lazarus did come back from the dead, and they didn't believe him. Uh, they and and he was just pointing out that the words have been revealed to us that uh, that that Jesus is who he is. The re- we talked about this of course we just celebrated Easter, but the resurrection is mm-hmm. is should be sufficient. Uh, I remember somebody saying in a church service, they said, I just don't believe that God could uh, swallow a man with a fish for three days and then vomit him up on the beach. And, you know, and that I don't see how that could be real. And you're like, but you have no problem with a man who (laughs) died in public and was buried and then came back to life and is still alive today. And they're like, wow, that's the resurrection. It's like it's the same God. Right. If he can do one, he can do all things. The whole, and that's how we are to look at everything. We're to look at everything in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is to evoke amazement in right. us. Uh, and so when we see that, it, that's that's the pinnacle of it. And so I believe everything Jesus says because I believe the resurrection. Right. And uh, and if you don't believe in the resurrection, and as Paul even says. If the resurrections aren't real, we're to be pitied above all people right. because we got nothing to stand on if that's not real. And uh, but we do have that. We not only have it, 
We have hundreds of people who witnessed him both die and come back from the dead and ascend into heaven uh, to see him in his physical, to see his physical body, to touch him, to eat with him, to to dine with him. And then they they and they and they testify to this in a time that was current and then wrote it down and shared it with people and and. And people came to uh, believe and understand this, and we've and been passing along that story for 2,000 years, and it is uh, it is still the story that transforms lives. Mm-hmm. Cool, very good. Um, okay, just to finish it up, put a bow on it. Um, you know, we last round we were talking about. Uh, I mentioned how I have people um, close to me who um, are just kind of like. I'll just I'll just put it bluntly. They post stuff on social media, right? That is that just makes my blood boil yeah. um, because I know how they grew up. I know what they claim to believe at at, at a time. They se- seem to still believe the basics anyway. Mm-hmm. And they'll post stuff though that is that is just lies, and and it bugs me being a Christian or like as as a Christian seeing what this other Christian's posting. Like how could you do that? And and so. Uh, being the millennial that I am, my my first thought is, well, I'm gonna type right back, you know, like t- right. type a response. Um, and I'm reading Psalm, and I, you know, wisdom dictates not to for all those wondering. Like I don't, but Psalm 39, I'm I'm reading that this week, and it says, um, I said, I will guard my ways so that I may not sin with my tongue. Mm-hmm. I will guard my mouth with a muzzle as long as the wicked are in my presence. I was speechless and quiet. I kept silent even from speaking good. And my pain intensified. It's like my. That's like the experience of everyone on social media, right? Yeah. Uh, and my heart grew hot within me as I mused. A fire burned, and I spoke with my tongue. Lord, reveal to me the end of my life and the number of my days. Let me know how short-lived I am. You indeed have made my days short in length, and my lifespan as nothing in your sight. Yes, every mortal man is only a vapor. And we were talking about, um, you know, cross-dressing meets. Um, eating young animals, uh, (laughs) you know, like kind of a switch there. Right. Um, But the Psalms are packaged in such a way that they actually do feed into each other. And Psalm 39 isn't an exception to that. And, and so I'm trying, I'm musing on this, like I'm trying to figure out what's the connection between keeping silent, even when it hurts and God revealing the end of my life to me. And I Mm. realized that, that and the, and it's this is true. Only after God revealed it to me did I, did I realize that my experience shares in this, and that is that as at, when that person posts on social media, or when that when we see somebody famous say something on TV, or whatever it is, when the wicked person says what they say, and all we want to do is fire back what what we believe to be true, right. um, but we wisely keep silent. Then what the Lord blesses us with is perspective. In that this moment, this conversation, God, God's going to take care of. He's going to fight his battles, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, and if and if you're with him, he'll fight your own right. for you too. Uh, but um, what the Lord gives us is perspective, and that this is so much bigger yeah. than my life, you know, right. than this conversation. And and my life is so much bigger than this conversation. Right. So I. I do not need to fire back a response, wicked as they may be, right as I may be, mm-hmm. in varying degrees. You know, it's it. Silence will teach you something, and I think that that is what it just says. Mm-hmm. Lord, reveal to me the end of my life, not the end of theirs. You know, don't right. don't tell me about how they're going to be destroyed, even though that's maybe what I'm thinking. Right. Um, let me know how short-lived I am, because um, you have done. You know, like mankind's only a vapor. You know, this God, this conversation is not so important that I need to forsake wisdom in it. And, mm. and honestly, like the last few days that has ha- that's needed to ring in my head a lot. Um, mm. seeing things, people post, just being frustrated with things that I see and things that I read thinking, how could they think this? How could they say that? And like David, my, my words are like burning inside my chest. Like this hurts to keep in. And mm. if I would just say something, then I would feel better. But of course you never do. Mm-hmm. You feel like a fool, like Proverbs would call you a fool in that moment and right. you feel like one. So anyway, that's, that's yeah. that was timely for me and um, hope that that resonates with somebody listening. Well, and that's what Jesus did right before he was like literally crucified. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same thing for me this week. Someone posted on their social media, Christians don't shove 
God down people's throat because it's Easter. And I was like, oh, I just could hit you. Like, <laughs> that's where I was. I was so angry at this person. Um, and then I went back to Isaiah 53, and it says, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so you open not his mouth. And it was like, that's me. And first of all, I'm angry because this person doesn't have the Holy Spirit, and they don't, I mean, they don't know what they're doing. Is I mean, they know it's probably sinful, but they don't have awareness of that. So humble yourself, Josh. Don't get angry. And third of all, what does the Bible say? Like the wise person is silent and Jesus was silent before he was killed. Right. And I think there, there's so much humility in that. And like we're so prideful to think, well, you know what, God, I got this battle. I you got know? this. It's like, I know the no, perfect thing to say that will change their yeah. mind. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Proverbs says, and this this is what I, I actually think of more is that the, even the fool is counted as wise if they keep silent. Like, <laughs> right, I'm right. like, okay, I, I need to I need to keep silent so at least people will think that I'm wise. Right. Yeah. And he who speaks before he knows the answer yeah. is a fool. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. That's good. So on that, we're gonna break. If you need to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, or just hit the pause button at any time. It's a podcast, <laughs> you can do that. And we're gonna come back and talk about some questions. I've got a question. Yeah. And that I we we haven't I haven't I haven't even prepped you for this oh, question, so uh, I feel a little bad. Exciting. But uh, <laughs> we're gonna get back to it, and we'll uh, we'll be right back. Here we are. Question and answer segment. That's my, that's my words. Yeah. <laughs> hey there. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. All right. <laughs> Question, Question answer, answer segment. Um, we, did we have any sent in this week? I don't remember getting a question. I didn't get any questions. It seems like, well, no, we've, we've probably covered that. In times past, we sometimes have a question that pertains that to a reading that's week, coming up. Yeah. But I think we yeah. did cover those. Yeah. That, um, so I have a question this week that I'm going to throw at Pastor Troy. In his first devotional moment, he talked about um, don't do blah 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 because that is detestable to the Lord. Yes. And we talk about the law quite a bit in in especially in the last you know all the readings so far we've had something about the law, and I am uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are on things that are detestable to the Lord. Is that like a law detestable to the Lord? Like is it detestable because it's against His law? Right. Which because Galatians says we're not under that. Like that's a and a lot of the New Testament is spent Correct. time telling, you know, especially Gentiles, um, that you're not under the law. Um, so, so I'm a Gentile. I'm not under the law, but it says it's detestable to the Lord. And I'm wondering if you think that that is still detestable, or if that's, or if that kind of word is okay. included in the Dunaway. Good word. Uh, the, the when something is detestable to the Lord in the Old Testament, it's detestable to the Lord always because All the time. he's he's immutable, he's unchanging, mm-hmm. and and so we know that that these are and, and and that's why the Old Testament kind of serves us in understanding. When Paul says we're not under the law, it means no longer are we brought to grace or brought to redemption through the law, meaning the plan of redemption that he had for the Israelites was under the law, and there were. And there was a prescribed way to approach God through the law, and now that way has been uh, fulfilled in Christ. Christ has fulfilled the law, and so now we come to saving grace. We come to have a relationship with God. We are offered redemption through Christ. So we are no longer under the law, but under grace. Um, and so that which welcomes in, in order to come through the law, we would have had to become Jews. We would have had to have been circumcised uh, in order to mm-hmm. become part of the family of Abraham because now we are offered grace through Christ. Now that's offered to Jews and Gentiles, mm-hmm. and Jews no longer have to come through the law, or Gentiles don't have to come through the law. We all come through Christ. So that's what he was referring to. So, But then you look at it and say, okay, so what about the Old Testament? What applies? Well, there's a couple of things to always bear in mind. One is, is does the New Testament address the Old Testament principle? Because there are a lot of Old Testament things that are dealt with in the New Testament, and Paul will address with those things directly. You know, we were talking about uh, cross-dressing earlier, or yeah, addressing like somebody of an opposite gender. Paul does deal with that, mm-hmm. and he and he does specifically in Romans. He talks about not being uh, not being 
unnatural in our gender. Uh, and so uh, and so he, he addresses that. So he, he's affirming under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that that is still an abomination, still something detestable in God's sight. And so we can affirm that, not just there. There are also that which we would consider ceremonial laws, uh, which were all tied together in part of the redemptive process under the law that were distinct for the people of Israel in order to come. Those things now are fulfilled in Christ, so we no longer we don't offer up a Paschal lamb at Passover. We don't we don't observe Passover. Uh, so because of the, we're we're removed from that, uh, we have the Lord's Supper that we conduct, but it's not a law that's given to us. It's we call it a, an ordinance. So the church, something that God has given the church to do. Uh, we're not saved through it. It's just some, a practice that he's given us, very similar to baptism. Baptism is not a law. Uh, it's a command. Uh, he gives us a commandment uh, to observe in the New Testament. And Jesus really says, let me just sum everything up for you. I'm going to help you out here. Love everybody as I love you. Mm-hmm. And and so he's like, look, I gave you an example of how I loved you. I've given you lots of illustrations. We talked about this earlier, about how God is merciful to the evil and the ungrateful. And Jesus modeled that, if anybody ever did. And he said, okay, you saw that? Now I want you to do that. And so that is the one one thing that we are to practice and that distinguishes us in the Holy Spirit. So, But when you say, okay, well, how does that manifest itself? How does God love other? How do we love others as God loves us? Then the Old Testament serves us because we can look back and see yeah. these were the things that God liked and these were the things that he did not like. And this is how uh, he would uh, deal with sin. So we are to still have a hatred of the things that God has a hatred of. Uh, and, you know, we, we use the expression hate the sin, not the sinner. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes I think it's misused. But there's some truth in that. We are to we are to hate the things that God hates, uh, love the things that God loves, because that's what he commands us to do. And the Old Testament helps us to see clear what the things that God hates or that he detests. We are to detest those things as well. Um, but we don't come under judgment as a result of it. We come, we're, 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 if we have committed those things, if we have made, uh, done those abominations, if we repent, um, he is willing to forgive and set us free. So. Cool. All right. Uh, uh, you have a question? A slight one, yeah. yeah. This one's um, more of like a contextual question because we're so far removed from culture when the Bible was written. Um, and so mine's out of Luke 5, 11, uh, and it says, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And this is um, talking about some fishermen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they said they left everything, what did people in that time have? And what did these these guys leave? You know, we, we think in terms of, of these guys being poor people, mm-hmm. um, but really the Galileans were more affluent than a lot of people that were in Jerusalem. And because Galilee was so rich in resources, including a, a giant lake filled with fish that people needed to survive, a lot, there were a lot of people who made a lot of money uh, in that region. Uh, it reminds me of the um, the Bedouin. Uh, the Bedouin are just very good uh, people and are resented by a lot of people because they own a lot of land and they have a lot of resources and so forth, even though they live simple lives. Uh, and so just because we have these, and probably uh, it's better to think of it like these, these are men who are part of a business and a family-owned business that they were a part of. And so uh, very much like if my dad had a great fishing business and we're making a lot of money and I'm out there working for him every day, to then follow Jesus is for me to walk away from that uh, that prosperous business and now begin to follow this guy and be his disciple. We know that uh, the business didn't just go away uh, because when Jesus was crucified, Peter went back and went back to the boats and took. I mean, you can think of it like that. He left his dad's business. He goes away. He follows this guy around. Mm-hmm. Uh, things go turn sour after about a few, a few years. Mm-hmm. And what does he do? He goes back home and goes back to what he was doing before. Jesus goes and gets him and says, no, you're not done. I still have something for you to do. I, I took, to, took you away from this, told you to be a fisherman. And then he uses, and then he goes to him and says, now I want you to feed my sheep. And he says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And he says, I, I've got the, I'm calling you out of this to do this. And so he walks away from it again. Um, and that's what he does. He fulfills that ministry. And, and there's this encounter that he has with the disciples where uh, Jesus' teachings start to get hard and they've, Everybody starts to abandon him left and right, and uh, and they ask him, you know, what what about those of us who have given up? We've given up everything to follow you. Uh, one, they say, where are we going to go? We've given up everything. And uh, and Jesus looks at him and says, anybody who's given up their house, given up their business, given up their wives or their whatever. And, and he wasn't meaning that they divorced their wives. or anything. He means that they they 
weren't enjoying the comforts of home. They were they walked away like men going to battle. Uh, in the Old Testament, you had uh, I love how God tells Moses and, and Joshua when he's, they're getting people ready for battle. He says, "Ask people if they just got married. Send those back. Ask people if they just planted the vineyard. Send those people back so somebody else is enjoying the fruit of their vineyard." And then he says, "Ask people if they're just scared to fight." <laughs> and I love that. It's like if you're just a total coward, then go home. We don't want you. You're going to get somebody else killed on the battlefield. Right. And he's like, "This is for people who are ready to man up. This is for people who are saying." I see that I see that this is a battle for the Lord, uh, and 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 I think of the guys who were uh, who had discovered their land before they even crossed the Jordan. Uh, I think it was Ephraim and and uh, and uh, another tribe that's escaping my brain. Uh, thank you. And um, and the and so he says, uh, you see this uh, Reuben, Reuben and Manasseh. That's I think that's who it was. And uh, and so he says, you've got your land. He says, and I'll let you have this land, but you've got. Only if you agree to keep going. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. We're going to go continue to fight till everybody gets their land. And then we'll come back and enjoy ours. And that's really what he's asked of his disciples. He's like, I just need you. I'm, I've got, you've got something promised to you. You've already got it. I'm just asking you to relinquish, to, to give that up for a season so that everybody gets to enjoy the promised land. And that's, it's, that's, if you want to think about the cost of discipleship, that's what it is. I already know that I have a place secured with Christ for all eternity, but he's asked me before I go to enjoy that to go with him as a soldier of the Lord mm. to fight so that others might get to enjoy their promised land as well. And that's and I do that willingly and offer myself to follow him. And that's what the disciples did. They they gave up whatever they had to give up to. And really, it's, it's you're giving up whatever your plan was, whatever your plans were yesterday that's not your plan anymore now i'm going to fight with this guy or go to be a part of his mission uh and uh, and that's going to be my focus from now on um i remember um uh, one of my mentors in the faith he told me he said you know there are a lot of guys who are in ministry because they can't do anything else he said but those (laughs) they're they're useless (laughs) the people that god is looking for are the people who know they could be successful elsewhere but they give that up and say, I'm I'm going to take the gifts and and the things that God has given me, the abilities and skills, and going to use them for the glory of His kingdom. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the that's the discipleship He's looking for. Oh, it is Reuben, Gad, and the half of Manasseh. Thank you for looking that up for me. Yes, yeah. I, I couldn't let it go. It, yeah. I just had to be sure. Yeah, we were we were we were close. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Well, man, good week. We're over on time, so we're gonna we're gonna shut it down. But thank you all for listening to our Understanding Jesus podcast. We we'll hope be you back. join us next week for um, all things Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Understanding Jesus podcast. If you would like more information on Understanding Jesus or First Baptist Church of Jackson or would just like to submit a question or comment, then you can call the church office at 573-243-8415 or you can email us at office at fbcj.us. Thanks so much. We'll see you soon.